The following is a reflection on the readings for Tuesday of the 20th week of Ordinary Time. The first reading is taken from Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 1 to 10. The Responsorial Canticle is from Deuteronomy chapter 32 and the Gospel from Matthew chapter 19 verses 23 to 30. Today's Gospel immediately follows the rich young man who came to Jesus asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus tells him to sell his possessions and give the money to the poor and then come follow him. Jesus says this because he knows that the young man was so attached to his possessions that they were possessing him. Jesus knew that a heart filled with the things of this world had little room left for a meaningful encounter with the Lord. He tells his disciples and us that it is indeed hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God and uses the image of a camel going through the eye of a needle to emphasize the point that it is not just difficult, but impossible. Why? Because our possessions, or a desire for wealth, can grab hold of us. A disordered love for material goods, whether few or great in number, is a serious obstacle to the following of Christ because it leads to idolatry. We start to put our trust and affections more on wealth than on Christ, more on the created goods than the Creator. Wealth becomes a God that we worship. We can object and say, this is not so for us, but perhaps we need to ask some key questions to see just how attached to things we really are. For example, do I value the needs of my soul more than the needs of my body? How easy is it for me to give away material goods freely and joyfully for the benefit of others in need or to the church? Do I avoid unnecessary expenditures? Do I refuse to satisfy my every whim? Do I fight against the tendency to create false needs? Do I consider the goods I own are a gift from God for the benefit of my family, society as a whole, and for the common good? It is important to ask these questions because when we possess or desire material goods for their own sake, for the sense of power, or the sufficiency they can give us, then they can lead us away from dispositions or attitudes that open us up to God. That disposition is spelled out in the first beatitude, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The person who is humble before God recognizes their total dependence on Him. Now, of course, a person who has this virtue of spiritual poverty and dependence on God can be very wealthy materially, and use that wealth to further sanctify themselves by giving it away, because they are detached from these riches. A materially poor person, on the other hand, without this virtue, can be caught up in a desire for wealth that leads to idolatry. The key for both people is the virtue of detachment and charity. So we first of all thank the Lord for the goods that we do have, and ask for the grace to share what we have with others in need. The application of today's gospel can be broadened and deepened to include not just material wealth, but any other gift God has blessed us with, whether it is natural beauty, intelligence, athletic ability, or a particular charism. When we focus on any of these to such an extent that they are elevated above our love of God, 
we are like the camel trying to squeeze through the eye of a needle. This is because at the root of idolatry is the deadliest sin of all, pride. St. Augustine put it this way, quote, Pride is the commencement of all sin, because it was this which overthrew the devil, from whom arose the origin of sin, and afterward, when his malice and envy pursued man, who was yet standing in his uprightness, it subverted him in the same way in which he himself fell. For the serpent, in fact, only sought for the door of pride whereby to enter when he said, quote, Ye shall be as gods. End of quote. In our first reading, God, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, renders judgment against the king of Tyre for his son of pride, thinking himself a god because of his great material wealth, high position, wisdom, and understanding. The punishment was to allow a foreign army, Babylon, to attack and defeat Tyre and put the king to death. Quote, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you compare your mind with the mind of a god, I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations. They shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall thrust you down to the pit, and you shall die a violent death in the heart of the seas. End of quote. Or as Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18 states more succinctly, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Why does God hate pride? Because it blinds us to our dependence on Him and our neighbor. When we are self-sufficient and self-righteous, our world becomes restricted to the ego, as we rank ourselves in priority to all other things and cut ourselves off from relationships. In particular, we become indifferent to God's love, ungrateful and unresponsive. In a sense, pride is living a lie, an inversion of reality, so that we lose touch with the real and become foolish and empty and miserable. We forget that as creatures, everything we have is a gift from God. As St. Paul states, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 A classic example of this inversion of reality is the great Nebuchadnezzar, the very one God used to humble the king of Tyre. When he conquered all the surrounding nations and built up Babylon, pride gripped him to such an extent that God warned him in a dream of a great tree that reached up to heaven itself, whose leaves were lovely and fruit abundant, under which the beasts of the fields and the birds of the heavens found shelter. Just then, the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven, saying, Chop down the tree, but leave its stump in the earth. The humble prophet Daniel gave the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar was the tree, and God was giving him warning and one year to repent. Unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar did not listen. Quote, All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. 
King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. End of quote. As a result, Nebuchadnezzar lost his sanity and behaved like an irrational animal, and this condition continued until he lifted up his eyes to heaven and acknowledged God as the omnipotent, eternal sovereign of the universe. How do we battle this deadliest of sins? Firstly, by praying every day. Prayer itself is humility because when we petition God, we acknowledge our need and dependence on another. Secondly, since pride is so elusive and hard to detect in oneself, ask God to show you in what ways it afflicts your life. Third, be aware of spiritual backsliding with respect to reading the sacred scriptures and the word of God, the catechism, attending the sacraments, and especially the sacrament of reconciliation. Fourth, become more service-oriented by focusing on the needs of others, thereby taking attention away from yourself. Finally, trust in Jesus who said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. For St. Paul, who was so immensely rich in spiritual gifts and revelations, trusting God ultimately led him to be thankful for a thorn in the flesh which kept him humble, lest he should boast. Quote, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I exalt above measure. Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 10. May we allow sufferings and afflictions to keep us focused on God, open us to God's power rather than trusting in our own resources.